Man, I had to had to get that little Tony Montana montage real quick. That's how I feel about Leon Rose, man. Straight boss, straight, you know, not talk, not really talking open to the public, giving us a good letter. And I love the letter. So salute the Knicks Nation. Episode 85. It's your boy Slizzy. And we got a lot to talk about, man. We're going to talk about Leon Rose this episode. It's his solo dolo podcast. We're going to talk about the latest two wins. And we're going to talk about the latest developments. Um, If you don't know, I have a Twitter. Go follow me on Twitter. State of the, State of the new Y1, the number one. Um, You know, let's get right into it, man. But salute the Knicks Nation. Um... You know, first thing, let's talk about, you know, the last two wins. So, these last couple of games, ever since the All-Star break, I noticed a couple things. I noticed that the Knicks kids are playing more, which is very evident. And I noticed that, you know, the offense is changing and the offense... Finally, after months of screaming this, the offense is finally going through R.J. Barrett instead of Julius Randle. And these last two games has been beautiful. And and it, it's been beautiful because of the young core. Um, Mitchell Robinson has been dominating these last few games. Um, R.J. Barrett has been putting up good numbers these last few games. Frank Nelikina. When he's finally back from, you know, his little groin problem, leave them goddamn NYC big booty joints alone, Frank, man. Your groin is always hurting. I'm sick of that nonsense, man. But, um, you know, Barrett, you know, in the first game that we had, um, I believe it was against the Bulls, and Barrett had 19 points on just 10 shots. But the issue was Barrett was frozen out of the game. And I don't I don't know if it's on purpose. I don't know if it's by design. I don't know if Alfred Payton just doesn't have chemistry with R.J. Barrett. But, you know, you see when Frank is on the floor with R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett is in he, – he, he's doing his natural thing, you know, on the ball – RJ Barrett is supposed to be on the ball. He's not a off, he's not a good off ball player yet. So Alfred Payton dribbling the ball for 18 seconds every time he gets the ball to do 20 pick and rolls with Julius Randle is not helping RJ Barrett's game. Um, 
shout outs to Mark Berman with this tweet, but Mitchell Robinson has a shot at breaking Wilt Chamberlain's record for field goal percentage in this season. Entering the Bulls game, Mitch need 300 field goals made by seasons, and meaning he has to average 2.7 the rest of the way. Mitch is a problem, man. Mitch, defense has gotten better, less fouling. He only had one foul in the last game. Um, he hasn't fouled out in a couple games, I guess about 10 games. He he hasn't fouled out. Um, Mitch hasn't getting consistent minutes as, as far as what he's doing on the court. The point guards are finding him. RJ is finding him. Um, it's just beautiful to watch, man. It's beautiful to watch, you know, when the Knicks win these games, Knicks Twitter is it, it, it coming together. And I, 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 I'm loving what I'm seeing. What I want the Knicks to do the more is just play the kids more. Play them more together. Don't play them. Stop staggering their minutes with other guys. But I can see why your player Frank Nilekina with a Wayne Ellington because Wayne Ellington doesn't need the ball in his hands. I can see why Wayne Ellington is playing over Alonzo Trey and Damian Dotson because Wayne Ellington doesn't need the ball in his hands. Wayne Ellington gets the ball. He's hoisting up a shot. If he's not, he's giving up the ball and he's moving around. He's constantly moving, constant movement. Trey, he doesn't have constant movement. He does not know how to play off the ball right now. So I can understand, even though I hate it, I hate seeing Wade Ellington play on the court over my beloved Alonzo Trey and, and Damian Dotson, free dot, whole team dot. But I can see why. R.J. Barrett, his last two games, 46 points on 18 of 28 shoot, shooting, nine rebounds, eight assists, and six made three-pointers and two wins. R.J. Barrett has been shooting better from three, and that's nice to see. He has been shooting better from three ever since he's sought out Allen Houston. And, you know, a couple days ago, Allen Houston, it was a report Allen Houston was helping R.J. Barrett with his shooting. And ever since that, Barrett has been, he's been dogging. He's been dogging. He's been blacking, per se. <laughs> but, you know, R.J. Barrett becomes the second youngest player, 19 years old, 262 days in NBA history to tally at least 25 points, five boards, five assists, and three made trades in a single game. LeBron James is the only player younger than R.J. to match those numbers. And it's beautiful to see. It's beautiful to see. It's, it's nice to see that R.J. Barrett is coming into his own. And it's nice to see... A lot, uh, a lot of other people coming into their own. Frank Nilakina had this last defensive sequence against Russell Westbrook, forcing Russell Westbrook left instead of right, and forcing him into a contested jump shot, which was defensive IQ. Who knows? Fizdale would have put Julius Randle on, on, on Russell Westbrook that last play and say some nonsense at the presser like. Oh well, he's the he's the guy. So we wanted to get his defensive IQ up by trusting him on the last defensive play. Just some garbage nonsense. Fizdale used to say, "Keep what you kill." Get the hell out of here, man. Um, <laughs> but it's been nice to see um, the young players is is getting more consistent minutes. That's what the rest of the season is about. 
we won more than 17 games. So I'm not really worried about our record no more. If we get wins, cool. I'm all for a win. Love wins. Anything more than 17 is great for me. But development in the kids' minutes is what I need to see. And, you know, lately, you know, Julius Randle, I'm watching this guy. He's stumbling and bumbling and he's trying to get into the paint. He's spinning around in the five, six people. You know, pictures going around where Julius Randle going into the paint. is three people open at the top of the key. Mainly RJ and Knox be open a lot because Randle gets double teamed and it seems like he does not know how to pass the ball out of a double team. And, you know, you're watching Randle, you're watching his, his, his body movements, you know, what he's doing on the court. He made one hustle play, you know, in the Houston game where he blocked, he blocked the shot, you know, off the weak side. That's one play out of 20 games. <laughs> you know, it, the, the guy got to learn how to pass the ball, man. The guy has to learn to play within the offense. It, 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 RJ, I have 17 and a half, and then he'll come back and have 19 in the game, 21 in the game. You're like, what the hell is going on here? The Bulls game. Alfred and Randall freezes RJ out in the third quarter. And I was listening to nothing but Knicks. You know, shout outs to Sim. And, you know, Sim, he's explaining it. Well, it's the flow of the offense. You know, it's the standard third. And I'm listening to Isaiah, and Isaiah's like, bro, he's getting frozen out. And I'm looking at these games, and I agree with Isaiah. He's getting frozen out. It's, it's, he went through a whole quarter with one shot attempt after being hot the whole first half. That is ridiculous. You got to keep feeding the hot hand. And... To play devil's advocate, you know, not all games is going to be like that. There's been games where James Harden had 30 in the first half and only had five in the second half. And that's the way basketball goes. Every night, you know, you could score zero in the first half and, and 21 in the second half. It, 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 that's how the game goes. But I'm watching these games, and I'm watching individual players during these games, and I'm watching Randall. And – they do freeze RJ out, RJ out the game a lot, and you see the pictures. I didn't share posts where RJ is clapping for the ball. Randall's going to the basket. You know, Randall and Peyton pisses away a seventeen point lead, and then you know we we at Houston and you know. We up 20, and they piss away a 20-point lead. You know, it's going to happen because it is the goddamn Houston Rockets. They shoot a million threes. But Jesus Christ, man, it's, it's, it's like Randall and Peyton. Ah, I'm not high on either. Peyton, he's a good point guard, but he's not a good fit for Barrett at all. And I try to tell people all the time, Peyton can't play off the ball. It, it, that's plain and simple. Frank will play off the ball, and he's going to give you defense. You've seen Frank Nalakina's value to this team yesterday's game at the Houston Rockets. You've seen it. I don't need all my players. Once again, I always explain this to people. I don't need every single guy in my 10-man rotation 
to want to score. I don't need every guy in my 10-man rotation to have that mentality. I need three dudes in my rotation. Okay, I'm going to bring defense, and I'm going to shoot the three. I don't really need to dribble the ball. I need another guy. I need at least one guy. I'm just coming in to play straight defense. If I get the ball and I score, cool. But I'm focused on defense. I need another guy. I'm focused on shooting a three. If I'm open, I'm shooting. If not, I'm moving. I'm passing the ball. I'm giving my big space. I need a rim protector. I need a post scorer. It's roles to be given out. You know, I need a floor general. I need. I need a. I, I need one one of my point guards got to be a scorer. Another one of my point guards got to be a floor facilitator and can get to the basket. I need one of my point guards to be a shooter from three or both of my point guards to be a shooter from three because you see Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is amazing, and he doesn't shoot no threes. And I don't even think I want him shooting threes. So, you know, let these guys, you know, let these guys – play their games, and, and I, and I want to see what they become, man. I want to see what they become, man. Um, you know, I got to eat some crow. I got to eat some crow. You know, and the reason why I'm going to eat some crow is because I've been getting on this, man, all season long, and... I, I got to say, yo, Bobby Portis, man, he's been balling. He's been balling. And you know why Portis has been balling? And he scored 15 points on Monday. And, you know, you know, Portis plays his position. He doesn't outplay his game. You play his game. I'm going to post you up or I'm going to shoot the three. But Portis has been passing the ball Way more than I've ever seen in these last, I say, three to four games, and you know, you know what goes hand in hand with that. You see, Kevin Knox, he's been playing a little better recently. He's been scoring a little recently more, and I'm loving that, man. I'm loving that. Portis keep passing the ball, and Portis just passes the ball. And I think it was because the mob boss was in the in the building, Leon Rose, looking over, you know, looking over like 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 Don Corleone, Joe Pesci or one of those dudes. You see him looking over, of course you're gonna pass the ball. You're not gonna you're not gonna ball, you're not gonna do nothing silly, you know. And it, it it's just good to see, man. Shout outs to Bobby Portis, man. He's been playing good defense, man. He's been averaging about 10, 11 points. Four rebounds, you know, but his shooting splits in the fourth quarter, 50, 40, 85%. That's what's been key. And I can't front. Bobby Portis has been killing with a lot in a lot of four quarters this season. This season, Bobby Portis has been definitely carrying the Knicks offense in the fourth quarter. But what I need him to do is pass the ball more. Pass the ball more. That's all I need you to do. I know you're not going to block shots. I don't need you to worry about that. Just stay in front of your man and pass the ball so Kevin Knox could look like an, a goddamn NBA player. Because Kevin Knox in January and in December, that boy was cooked. <laughs> he was cooked. And I love Kevin Knox, but he was cooked. Oh, let me give you another stat. When RJ is on the court with Randall and Peyton, his assist percentage is 
and 12.4 when they're off. RJ, Frank, and Dotson lineups have played only two minutes together, so RJ's assist percentage with Frank on the court is 15.4. Get Payton and Randall away from RJ, please, so this man can flourish. <laughs> please get this man away. But huge shout-outs to um, Bobby Porter. Shout-outs to Kevin Knox. I know he's having a down season, sophomore slump, but he has been playing better defense lately. He does shoot a better three-point percentage than Julius Randle. He does have a better block percentage than Julius Randle, and he has more total blocks on this season than Julius Randle. Put the man at the four spot, please. Get Randall off this team. I am not a big Randall fan. I, I do not like Randall's game. He doesn't play winning basketball to me. And, and it hurts because Randall, I was so high on Randall. You know, I, I, I was so high on Randall coming into the season. And I'm so, I'm so, you know, down on him now. And... Randall has just been so disappointing, man. He's just been so disappointing, man. All season, the defense. I don't care about his 30 and 20 games. I don't care about none of that. All I care about is who do you make better on the court? He makes nobody better. He doesn't, he doesn't hustle all the time. He doesn't he, he only hustles on offense, it seems like to me. It's it's just hard to watch him at times, man. It's it's really hard to watch this kid, man. He's but, uh, I, I don't know, man. It's got I, – I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know, man. But anyways, you know, just going right back into it, man, about the Randall and Peyton, man. The Randall and Peyton thing, man, is wearing on me. I'm done with Peyton. I don't need to see him play no more. Banish him to the bench. Banish him to the nether realm. Banish him to the shadow realm. I don't care where he goes. Let DSJ get all the backup minutes. Start, you know, start um, Frank Nelikina and, and, and go into this offseason. You know, Leon Rose is going to be a big advocate for LaMelo Ball. So let's see what we let, let, let's see what we got, man. Let's see what we got. Speaking of LaMelo Ball, I want to I listen to a little bit of LaVar Ball. I want to listen to a little bit of LaVar Ball. Because LaMelo Ball probably be, you know, one of our draft picks. And I, I, I just want to hear what LaVar Ball want to talk about. LaMelo Ball. Or Undisputed. And shout-outs to Skip Bayless, too. Skip Bayless is really the podcast GOAT. He's really the debate GOAT. If it wasn't for Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith wouldn't be here. Stuart Scott, R.I.P. to you, great, bu- great brother. Um... You know, these debate desks, Nick Wright, you know, all these shows. So even podcasts. I think podcasts was pioneered by Skip Bayless because Skip Bayless, I remember watching him 2005. I'm 30 right now. It's 2020. Like, I remember watching when I was 15, watching debate shows. And I'm like, damn, these shows remind me of when you just outside and you was having a shouting match with your mans. LeBron better than Jordan. Jordan better than LeBron. Kobe, ah, ah. So, you know, big shout-outs to Skip Bayless, man. I watch this show every morning. I watch um First Take every morning. Salute the, um, you know, Stephen A. And, and Max Kellerman. But let's hear, what, you know, a little bit of what LeVar Ball was talking about. I got to give it up to you, grudgingly. I got to give it up to you. But you told me then. 
and it shocked me. You said, my youngest is going to be my best. And your youngest is on track right now, very possibly to be the first overall pick in this draft, which is one big reason we wanted to have you back on today. So expound on that, if you would, please. Well, like I said, my sons are like phones. I keep making them better and better. <laughs> and I always had this concept right here where I'm saying at the moment right now, Lonzo's the best. Yeah. Jello is my strongest, so he has the potential to be the best because on the next level, they get bigger and faster. He right. like that naturally. Melo's going to be the best on the fact that he's the youngest. Right. More experienced learning from his other brothers. Right. But when so that's you told me that, he's... Is he a sophomore, I guess? Yeah, not about 14 yes. or 15. Yeah. But mostly in my family, the youngest one, my youngest brother is 6'7". He's the tallest. And my dad's family, the youngest one is 6'7". And his mom is the youngest one, and he's 6'7", almost 6'8". He, he's going on 6'8". He's going 6'8". Six six yeah, he's going to be the tallest, like I told right? Okay, and we could see, I was just watching the YouTube clips in 2017, but you could just see already... He had all the sort of dipsy do. He, he could oh, shoot yes. it. He could pass it. He had. Real quick, if LaMelo Ball is 6'8, you got to pick that kid. Got to pick that kid. That's the light skinned Penny Hardaway right there, man. You got to pick this kid. You got to let him run the offense. Let him and RJ give them both the keys to the city. Let them kids go, man. But let's continue. He had Lonzo's eye for passing the basketball. Well, all my boys can pass the ball like that. Because that's how I taught them, growing up, playing like that. I'm not sure you can teach that at the high, oh, yeah. the Lonzo level. Yes, you, you got to teach them. But, you know, you got to start them when they're like six yeah. or seven years old. Okay. And that's my boys been passing like that a long time. Very well when scored them. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, hey, we scored them most if you so pass you, them. your youngest has, has had to take a bizarre path to the NBA. Uh, to what, the best path. Well, is it? Yes. Why? Why? Because... Okay, he got the focus completely on basketball. Right. Now, back in the day, well, I ain't going to say back in the day, most of the guys that played in Europe, they started playing professional 14, 15 years old. Right. So now, if I take my son, who's an American, and take him over there to Lithuania yep. to let him get involved in this early. So now, Mel's not doing a, a term paper and a chemistry test and all that. He's focusing, concentrating only on basketball. So was Lithuania good for him, for his development? It was great for him. If you're just waking up out of a hotel and you get to practice twice a day, as opposed to studying for a Spanish test, you never even going to take Spanish. So, so, so now you're playing against grown men, and, and Melo got a taste of what all superstars have to get a taste of. And this is what I mean. When you're in high school, you're the, you're the all-star. Right. But then when you go to college and you're not that guy and you feel that you're that good, you have to take a back seat. Right. Now, at... Let's say the other kid, R.J. Hampton, went over there to Australia. Yep. Awesome high school player. Right. But when you got over there to Australia, you're like, God dang, why am I not playing? Mind you, LaMelo Ball is averaging, he averaged 17, 7, and 7 once they moved him to point guard. The kid is already 6'7", probably 6'8", by the time the draft rolls around. The Knicks must pick this kid, man. They got to... Give me him an Ant-Man, but give me this kid. Give me the special passer. But let's continue. Mm. I'm coming off the bench doing a little bit of stuff here and there, and you're thinking that's it. Melo already did that in Lithuania. Right? He was the best point guard, but the coach is like, you're not even going to get in the game. Right? Mm. So Melo 
went through that little thing when he was Early. 15, 16 years old. And that rubbed you and the wrong way as dad. That's going to rub you the wrong way. Well, everybody's father's like, man, when you see your kid being a superstar, and all of a sudden you sit on the bench, right? Your mindset is like, he way better than this. You need to play him. And you're just going to get him a little phone, but we already went through that. Uh-huh. So that allowed Melo to go to Australia and be this, this superstar. Okay, and, and then what happened? How, how did that, how did you connect? Is it New well, Zealand, Australia? Well, yeah. here's the thing. He went to Australia on the fact that he had already been playing against grown people. Now, what people like to say, the narrative, oh, Mark created the JBA for his son. It's no good. Okay, the JBA, the first time we went through there, every kid had graduated already. Right. So Melo's playing against people that's 19, 20-something years old at 16. And so now I do the JBA USA tour. And guess what? We play all the European teams with grown folks that want to beat me. Right. Because we got the marquee that makes you want to win. First of all, we from the U.S. And second of all, I tell you, you can't beat the ball boys. Right. So that make you want to play super hard. <laughs> so all my boys are going to be awesome now. So now when you go to the Drew League, you can play against grown men. You go to Australia, and they're done. So it's nothing new. So what are you seeing from Lamelo's growth in Australia? What? I see, I see the same thing. You know, Melo's chasing one guy. The only person he's chasing is Lonzo. That's it. And he's going to be better on the fact that if you watch Lonzo, Melo wants to be better. Right. So he's going, his confidence and everything is going to be like, I'm better than him. I'm better than him. Bigger. Bigger. That helps. Yeah. But Lonzo's still bigger and stronger because he's older. So, but he wants, he wants that. And describe Melo's game right now for somebody who has to Melo's game is, is, is very, uh, creative. He feels that every shot is going in. Uh, he's he's going to have those little passes like Lonzo here and there, but he wants to make everybody a rebounder. Because he feels he can just make so many points and win. That's just his, he's always been like So he's a point or two. He's, he's more, he, he's always played point out of necessity. Right. Like, okay, Lonzo leaves, that point. Right. But he loves to score the ball. He loves to score the ball. He did that one time when he scored 92 points and everybody was like, what you think of that? I said, that's the best game ever. Because I unleashed him. I said, man, Joe not playing, score as many points as possible, son. Mm-hmm. He loves to score. Right. But he will make the passes and do other things. Mm-hmm. But I, like I said, and people always said, well, if him and Lonzo played together, they are the best one-two punch that can alternate at times. Like if Melo get a rebound, he know Lonzo's running. Right. So he going to throw that long pass. And the same thing with Lonzo. That's why in high school, you saw Lonzo catch a lot of lobs, but they were mostly from Melo. Hmm. As he turns into the point guard real quick. Sure. And then Lonzo threw a lot of more. They say, oh, Melo threw a lot of cherry pick, and Melo take off because he knows Lonzo will throw a shoot three point. Okay. Right. How close is Melo to getting the man body that I see Lonzo getting now? Oh, uh, they're not going to get their man body until they're like 22, 23. And that's because of their mom. Two, which is a 
Melo and Lonzo, they got more of their moms trained, the long length. Mm-hmm. So they, they, that's why I said they don't get about 220, 230. They don't get to 250, 260 like Jello. So what are you hearing? Could he go one? No, it could he? He is going he's one. going one. Come on, he got to go one. I, I'm going to take this. I'll tell you this. Usually you're going to take the guy who's most popular. Now, RJ played pretty good. I think he was a little better player than Zion when it started, but Zion's popularity boosted him to one. Yep. How did Jay Morant come from Murray State and be number two? Because you're the best guard in there. So Melo happens to be both. Mm-hmm. He's the most popular and the best guard. Mm-hmm. How you going to go number one? If you want your franchise, you got to put people in them seats. Mm-hmm. Don't you think, um, I mean, you're looking at the top five worst records. You're looking at Warriors, Cavs, Wolves, Hawks, Knicks. Right. You think he'd go number one at the Cavs? I mean, not Cavs, uh, the Hawks with Trey? You want to see him with Ice Trey? Do I want to see him with Ice Trey? Yeah. No, I want to see him in the best situation whenever coach going to let him loose and do his thing. Mm. That's what I want to see. So it don't matter where he go. Now, you can go to a certain place over here where the coach is not going to play you right. Right. You know, but I need him to be free and need him to win. And the only way he can do that is, is not having no restrictions on him. Let him do what he does. So whoever gonna give him the best of that? So he needs the red. He needs the green light. Like Trey he needs got the green light, light, man. Like Trey got because Trey still played. Trey <laughs> Young got the greenest light ever. Yeah, yeah. And then that, 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 unfortunately, that. it turned red. Last <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, he's always been like that man, for that. Like I said, I, I look at something like like my vision is a little different. Like I said, my other son Jello. Right. That's the one who needs to go wherever Lemon goes. Jello needs to go. Mm. Now you have got something special. Okay, so so what's Melo's ceiling? What will project him? Compare him. What what who could he be? Melo Melo could be something new that people yeah. that people ain't seen before. Because it's just because he, he's different all the way around. He's different all the way around. I mean, from the way he plays the game, he's, he's both hands. He's good with either one. The dribbling, he loves the the excitement of making shots, dribbling around people. He likes the winning, the passing. It's just like, he's just a different type. And he's loud about it, too. But he's going to shop the So, you know, stop recording while LeVar Ball was talking. But basically, you know, I'm I'm hype, man. I'm hype. You know, bring LaMelo Ball on. You know, that's who I want my next to draft. And that's who I'm looking forward to, man. But, you know, Leon Rose. And Leon Rose... You know, this guy, I'm loving this guy already. He gave me my boys vibes. He gave me Joe Pesci vibes. You know, and he wrote the Knicks a letter, the Knicks fans a letter directly to us. And I love the letter. A lot of people didn't like the letter. A guy from, I was watching Nothing But Knicks, you know, live stream last night on YouTube. And a guy named Anthony called in. And he was frustrated. He was like, you know, we want Leon Rose to talk to us face-to-face, and I'm like, damn, like, you so frustrated. He was a fan since 85, so I can understand his frustration. So Leon Rose writes us a beautiful letter, and I love the letter personally. And, you know, in the first paragraph, you know, I'm going to just, you know, highlight the letter, talk about it a little bit. You know, he first talked about this is a pivotal time in Knicks history, so I will let you know what you can expect from me and our organization moving forward. Love that he said that. It is a pivotal time in Knicks history. Matter of fact, next season is the most important season within the past 21 years of Knicks history. So 
you know, the next paragraph, he begins talking about his professional. He, he's been a part of professional basketball for 25 years and his relationships and, you know, what's a part of the league, player rec recruitment and relationships, unity, team cohesiveness, and how to be successful in the NBA. So, you know, that that was the you know second paragraph. The third paragraph he talks about, he says, for the remainder of this season, I will work tirelessly behind the scenes. I love that line. I don't need somebody talking. We heard enough talking. We heard, we heard enough yapping. May the Lord bless David Fisdale. A lot of yapping. May the Lord bless Steve Mills. A lot of yapping. Oh, we had a, we had a couple of max free agents on that we could have targeted. Man, shut up, man. I don't want to hear that, brother. But anyways, you know, work behind the scenes. Work like a mob boss. Give directions behind the scenes. I don't need to see you. We don't need to see you. We don't need to hear from you. That's it. That's what I like to see. That's what I like to hear. And then he goes on to say, most important, most immediately, we support Mike Miller. I love that line. So, you know, show support for Mike Miller after Steve Stout did that horrible ESPN interview. Horrible interview. Unprepared. And his staff and our team, good. Don't cause a ruckus in the locker room. Don't cause a ruckus among the scouts, you know. People got families to feed, you know. You don't do stuff like that. So I like what he, I like what he said. You know, the fourth paragraph, he's basically saying the same thing Steve Mills was saying about the team at future assets and flexibility and stuff like that. See, I don't care about none of that. I want to see results. And results start when you make a good team and you make a good roster. And the product that Steve Mills sold us on was bullcrap. Let's be honest. So, you know, we can't, we, it's a wait and see. It's a wait and see. We're we going to have to wait and see. But three things I want to see from Leon Rose. Um, three things. Leon Rose, please make sure that the kids play a lot of minutes. I noticed that when Leon Rose was here last night, I noticed that Frank Nellikina played 28 minutes. That was the most minutes he's played in a while. Um, Play the kids all the minutes. One wish. My second wish. Keep some of these holdovers from this staff onto the new staff. I want familiar. Uh, I, I want these players to know, you know, be be around guys they've been around who they're comfortable with. You know, they're young. We need structure. So bring some guys that's going to bring some structure to the Knicks. Third, um, just just. Don't put no pressure on these guys to win games. Let him play the kids. If we win 25 games, I'll be happy, you know, if we win 25 games. But it's a wait and see. It's a wait and see. It's a wait and see. Um, this offseason, my three wishes for Leon Rose, please don't give out no dumb contracts. That's the first one. My second one, please draft me a point guard. And my third one, Leon Rose, Please don't sign nobody to multi-year contracts who don't deserve them or who will impede on future contracts that we have to give out. Hence, Mitchell Robinson, who will definitely ask for a max, <laughs> a max deal when his deal is coming up. So, you know, we got to watch out for those things. But 
you know, Leon Rose, he's in the house. Um, salute the Knicks Nation, man. You know, a lot to look forward to. We on a two-game winning streak. I'm happy. You're happy. We should all be happy. The draft is coming up. Uh, I'm going to try to get Spencer Perlman on here within the next few weeks, probably in, in the middle of April, get Spencer Perlman on here. But for sure, I'm very interested in this year's draft lottery. One thing, let me throw at you people, and then I'm going to get out of here. I'm hoping that Devin Booker doesn't ask for a trade before the draft lottery. And the reason why is because if he does, the Timberwolves already have D'Lo and and Cat. I do not want the Timberwolves to jump us in the lottery again. They already jumped us for Cat. Can you please not let them do that again? NBA lottery gods, please. I would appreciate it. But salute the Knicks Nation, man. Episode 85. It's your boy, Slizzy. I'm out of here. Peace.